we're trying to get to 30 people by November, uh, which is which is a bit of a challenge. So while trying to recruit new roles and also trying to spec out what those roles will look like, because they're all new, <laughs> they're all new roles. So I think that's really hard, like trying to figure out, because now before we were like, you know, recruiting each individual person um, and now you've got to think about the team and what the skill gap is in that team and who would fit into that team. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes, who are the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk, quoting Startup You. Welcome to episode 75 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, and on today's show, I have some very special news. I'm announcing our first ever Startup and Scale Summit to be held this October the 13th from our HQ on the sunny seaside town of Bournemouth at Ray Kelvin's first co-working space, this workspace. So plan is a whole day of Q&A interviews with high-level entrepreneurs who've started up and scale in the same vein as Ray Kelvin, Ted Baker founder, who will be speaking. Um, and throughout the day, we're basically going to be having a whole load of workshops that you can attend, um, lots of networking opportunities as well. A whole day, never done this before. We normally just do two and a half hours once a month in the evening in London, Manchester, and Bournemouth. But this time, we're putting together a whole day for you. Recent news showed Bournemouth as the second fastest growing spot for startups in the UK. And off the back of that, we are going straight in with our first ever summit. Always my plan, and I'm glad to be announcing it on today's show. For more news and upcoming speakers as we announce them, just go to the Startup U Eventbrite page, and for all listeners of the show, I would love to meet you in person in Bournemouth this October, so just enter the code Screw it, just do it, and that will give you 20% off the full price. Now, events like this I've seen go for hundreds of pounds um, for a whole day's worth of amazing takeaways from top-level entrepreneurs who've been there, done it, and uh, started the T-shirt company. Uh, We won't be charging anything like that, um, so please go there, check it out. Um, If you can make it, we'd love to see you giving you the opportunity if you purchase this in the next 48 hours um, to get it at 20% off as well. So without further ado, um, Radavius is my interviewee, co-founder of The Flash Pack. Radha's business idea was born out of experiencing a very bland 18 to 30s group holiday. Although a passionate traveler, as a single 30-something, she struggled to find group tours targeted at anyone in her age bracket. 
She grasped the opportunity and set up The Flash Pack, an adventure travel company catering to urban single professionals in their 30s and 40s that's taken her all over the world. With no money for advertising, Radha and her partner Lee, a photojournalist, came up with the idea for a PR stunt. Lee set out to become the first person to climb Rio's Christ the Redeemer statue, and he took a selfie at the top just weeks before the 2014 Football World Cup in Brazil. The picture went viral, attracting 100 million plus impressions worldwide. And within one week, Lee and the Flashback were being mentioned on television all over the world. And their website received over 2 million hits and subsequently crashed. I started by asking Radha how she initially came up with the idea for the Flashback. So without further ado, let's start up. I had a consultancy. I was like working, you know, long hours and um, I really wanted to go on holiday on a spontaneous holiday. And so I was like asking all my friends who wanted to come along with me. I wanted to go to Cambodia and everyone was kind of busy with their respective lives. And some people were getting married and some of my friends were having kids at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, I was about 33. And a friend of mine said, oh, why don't you go on a, a group tour? And I'll be honest, I was a bit offended initially. <laughs> I consider myself like an intrepid traveler. I've traveled solo all my life. And I was like, I don't need to go on a group tour. I'll just go on my own. Yeah. But I found the concept really intriguing. Like it immediately conjured up this image of, you know, I don't know, 25 retirees in matching caps. Um, and I thought, isn't it? that That's just for old people, isn't it? And I started looking into the whole uh, concept and uh, realized that the industry was predominantly catering to, you know, Budget, young budget backpackers who probably wanted to party quite a lot and the more luxurious tours were really talking to the retiree 65 plus market mm. and I was like something in between like I'd backpacked in my 20s but now didn't really want to do that anymore kind of you know was dipping my toes into like traveling with a group of strangers and I just couldn't really find a brand that really kind of appealed to me I did end up going on a group trip to Cambodia and was with people you know was kind of with a lot of people who were about 10 years younger than me which did make me feel slightly old um and it was it was really nice it was good it was like really well it was slick it was really good but it just wasn't it wasn't quite right for me at the age that I was um at and so I thought oh this is a really interesting idea there's like a whole market here that's not being talked to and there'll be you know, there are lots of people who are kind of single in their 30s and 40s who might be craving this kind of experience, like finding it challenging to find people to go on holiday with. Mm -hmm. So I started, I came back and researched the market and realized it was huge. Um, and this was a global phenomenon. You know, it doesn't matter if you live in Mumbai, New York, London, Sydney, people were just settling down a lot later in life or just not settling down at all. People were more focused on their careers. Um, and I thought, and I just realized there are a whole lot of kind of, you know, industry out there who weren't tapping into this market and I just thought oh this is a real opportunity for me and I can do something special here mm -hmm. and it was a real aha moment because I'd been looking to set up a business that I could scale for a long time and oh, dipped okay. my toes into a couple of things like I my first idea was a modern day tea shop um and um yeah just kind of you know nothing really there wasn't I couldn't find anything that I really, really wanted to put my heart and soul into. Um, and then everyone kept saying, you know, follow your passion, follow your passion. Yeah. And I couldn't 
because I didn't have a specific, you know, I'm passionate about a lot of things, um, mm-hmm. food, wine, lots and lots of things. I can get passionate about anything really. Um, <laughs> and I wasn't, I didn't have a particular talent in music or what have you. So um, I was really confused by that concept. And then when I hit on this market and this idea, I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm meant to be doing. I've traveled my entire life. It's what I spent all my money on. Mm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just it was an incredible feeling, actually. So uh, before that, were those just ideas that you'd had or had you kind of actioned any of those um, ideas about starting a business? I had. So with a T-shirt, okay. I'd written a 70-page business plan um, and then just got really stuck at the point of, um, you know, raising investment. I had to raise a lot of investment to even open a T-shirt. Yeah. Um, and I had quite grand ideas. Um, so I had to raise a lot of investment and then just kind of got really, really scared when it got to the point of, you know, jumping in um, mm. and just realized that this is not what I wanted to spend my life doing it wasn't my life's work like I love I love tea I didn't I don't love it that much though right. um, and then my second idea was um a blog um and I learned I set up this blog and I learned a lot about kind of learned, I taught myself CSS and HTML and set up this blog and then couldn't find a real way to capitalize it um and but this time didn't write a 70 page business plan just got stuck in and started building the business but then yeah. at that time kind of back in like this was in 2007 or 2008 couldn't really find a way to capitalize it um and yeah so I was still searching I was still searching for that you know idea but along the way kind of just learning lots of skills um, until luckily I hit upon the perfect idea when I was 33. And was that with your um then boyfriend now husband I believe Lee or was that did that predate meeting him? Yeah, so it was pre, I came up with the idea before I met Lee, I was still single. um, And I think I just thought at that point, right, I've come across a really good business idea that I want to commit to, probably get my love life sorted as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And went on match.com. And I think the algorithms did their work and matched Lee and I up um, because of our mutual interest in business and travel, I suppose. And uh, we went on our first date and just talked about travel the entire night he was a photojournalist and done had this kind of really amazing career covering like libya um civil war in libya you know egyptian revolution tsunami wow, in japan no i just had like you know um a dream career so we talked all night about travel and then i said oh i've got this business idea but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you i don't trust you yet and then <laughs> another glass of wine later i like told him the Spilled idea everything. Yeah. yeah and then um, he just got it straight away and he was like i completely get that um there's nothing on the market that would appeal to me um this is something i was looking for um six months ago and um yeah we started we started researching the market together going to trade shows like you know just setting up focus groups and then uh we kind of decided well look you know we've only just met like this is a bit crazy um we should probably test whether we can go into business together and lee came up with this idea to go to sierra leone he was like if we can survive sierra leone together we've probably survived setting up a business <laughs> so off we went to sierra leone and it was the most crazy two weeks of my life um it was i haven't traveled like that in such a long time it was it was like a real eye-opener um but we survived it and we came back and we're like okay let's up a business together and literally nine months later we launched the business wow okay and how did you put the the idea into action then was, was it and it was just the two of you at that stage 
Yeah, it was just the two okay. of us. Um, we we decided to also buy a flat at the same time because we thought we'd never get a mortgage after setting up a business. Mm. Um, I really wouldn't recommend doing this to anyone. It was highly stressful. It took so much financial <laughs> risk. Basically spent every saved penny we had on um, a deposit for a flat and then the rest of the money we had, we had like £8,000 each left and we put that into a business and right. just developed a website and then just wrapped some PPC ads around it. Mm-hmm. Um and basically nothing happened for quite a while. <laughs> well, absolutely nothing. Pretty much nothing. Really? Um, I think we got one booking. We got one booking for Sierra Leone. Um, oh, and then we had no. to refund the customer. Um, no. And it was excruciating. Like the first six months, uh, more than six months of our business was it was so hard. Like we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We'd never set up a business before. We'd never set up a travel company before. We'd mm. never worked in travel. It was a semi-regulated industry. We learned a lot about travel regulation. Um, it was really, yeah, really, really painful. Um, and we, after about six months of nothing happening, um, we, I remember I used to work from home because I was freelance and we had like a phone line set up and it just didn't ring for months. And one day it rang and I was like, oh my God, I rang it up really excitedly. Hi, it's Rada from Flashpack. How can I help? And somebody had the wrong number. <laughs> and I think that was a breaking point. And I just I said, oh God, like I just, uh, nothing's happening. Like surely this isn't right. Like we've got it wrong. Like we've just, we've just got it wrong. Like we mm. don't, there's no product market fit here. And we decided to go on holiday to Egypt because it was dirt cheap. Nobody was traveling to Egypt at the time. Mm. And we sat down and we had like the dreaded conversation. Like, should we give up? Yeah. Um, and luckily we went away because I think just that week away, just by the sea helped us kind of think more clearly rather than kind of panic. Mm. And, um, and we said, look, we just got this innate gut feeling that we have we've got something here and like we have we haven't got this wrong there just haven't been enough Mm -hmm. eyeballs on the business like we haven't got enough money to get enough eyeballs on the business so um really really randomly uh we were reading mashable that morning and um i'm going into a really random story here so like (laughs) stop me but it's kind of (laughs) it's real it's a unique moment in our journey and we we're reading Mashable that morning and Christ the Redeemer statue was being fixed because of lightning damage from a storm. And it was just before a couple of months before the World Cup. And um, and Lee, being a photojournalist, I suppose, like just had a light bulb, light bulb moment. And he was like, look, I think I know how to get a lot of eyes onto our website and onto our business proposition. Um, and he said, I need to fly to Brazil and just convince them to allow me to scale Christ the Redeemer statue and take a selfie from the top. <laughs> and um, and he was like, you know, I think this can really go viral. And I didn't even know what viral meant at the time. Um, yeah. I was just like, oh, okay. I thought viral just meant, you know, getting into a couple of newspapers um, or just getting like a few hundred likes on an Instagram post. And anyway, he did. Like he convinced me. He spent our last 800 pounds, flew over to Brazil, doorstepped uh, the head of the Brazilian church um, and said, look, you know, Brazil's getting loads of bad press here. Um, I can turn this around. Let me climb the statue and um, pop out of Jesus's head from the top and take a selfie. And the Brazilians are just brilliant. You know, they're just so full of life. And he was like, oh, okay, then fine. Like, you're a bit crazy, but fine. I'll let you do it. And he gave workmen the permission to allow um, Lee to get to the top. And uh, in the picture of Mashable, we saw that there were kind of holes that the workmen were coming popping out of in the arms and stuff so we knew it was possible to climb it um and the and the head of the brazilian church blessed lee at the bottom like just by the foot of the statue Um, 
Uh, yeah, and he basically climbed climbed inside the statue right to the top. Yeah, popped out of Jesus's head and like took this selfie. And then he he came back home. Oh, he sent it to me, actually. He sent it to me. Um, and it did make your stomach churn. I don't know if you've seen the picture. I've seen, it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it just, it's amazing. It's, it's so high and it really yeah. makes your stomach churn. Um, and he said, don't show it to anyone, you know, because if BBC find out, they'll send, um, you know, Gary Lineker and nobody will care about our selfie. Right. So we like sat on it for like a month. And then we released it to the papers um, just two weeks before the World Cup started in 2014. Hmm. And um, it just like it just went insane like it was it was phenomenal um the phone started we thought they were going to release it on the monday but then daily mail decided to put it online on sunday night and then metro online followed Mm -hmm. and um just i think i don't know hundreds of thousands of people just hit our website um our website crashed because we were still (laughs) (laughs) we quickly got it back up and running like we were in our back bedroom at this point it was just me and lee the phones were ringing off the hook like tv stations abc called um like 10 minutes after it was released um cnn called um then lee next morning just spent the entire day running around london doing tv interviews for like yeah cnn he was on the um, daily show with john stewart um, like New Zealand primetime TV, Canadian primetime TV, I mean, all sorts. And I was just in our back bedroom emailing every journalist in the world saying, yes, you can have the picture for free, but please give us a backlink to our website. Um, And that was our strategy. And we got 2 million hits to our website in four days. Um, And people started buying trips. They did, directly off the back of that then, literally within that same time span. Yeah, I was like waking Hmm. up in the morning to receipts um, of deposit payments and I thought it was spam. I just couldn't believe it. Um, (laughs) People were saying, yeah, and it got us off the ground basically. Um, Mm. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't get us to a million a million pound business overnight or anything like that. There was still a lot of hard work, but it got us off the ground and it proved to us that we had a concept that people bought into. And the other thing it did was it was a clever SEO strategy, you know, yeah. because um, we we accumulated like ten thousand quality backlinks on mm. the back of that, and we started ranking on Google. And mm. the accumulation of all these things meant that we just started getting really good traction after that. And was that so? You took the photo before the World Cup, so we're talking two thousand fourteen. Given that Russia's happening this week, yeah, uh, two thousand. Okay, and timeline was then when he when Lee told you to sit on that photo. When was it released in relation to the World Cup starting or finishing? yeah so we he took the picture i think in early may and um and then we sat on it for until end of may or just beginning of june yeah um and we came up with like a strategy of how we were going to release it and what the story was going to be and how we were going to get traffic to our website um he did a video a youtube video in conjunction with that um which we then licensed out and made a bit of money on that and then we released it yeah so we basically released it two weeks before world cup started so just at the beginning of june and I'm and assuming this must have done quite pretty good business for the um, for the Brazilian tourist board in the end as well. Yeah, they love us right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you, you could have, uh, in in hindsight, or uh, as we we're talking off air beforehand, um, the future you you could you could set the business up in Brazil and have a, a very nice time. Oh, that would be great. I love Rio. I absolutely love it. If it wasn't for the traffic, I'd move there in a heartbeat. Really? Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was fantastic, actually. It gave us tons of confidence. It also put us on the map as a travel company, um, got lots of people talking about us, just created tons of buzz around our business. And we actually won quite a few awards. And the biggest award we won was um, Travel Marketing Awards Um 
in in 2015 and we we beat the no makeup selfie um yeah we got platinum award which nobody they said nobody had achieved in like a in two years so um so that was and we got you know office for investment on the back of it and it was yeah it was Mm. it it was a real unique moment And, and were you able to to really capitalize on that, were you prepared? Because in, in hindsight, a lot of people might say that that's a hell of a, a risky strategy to, to, you know, bank on something becoming viral because it's, it's so rare that something, um, again, it's what you, you, you term viral, I suppose, but, but that is obviously extraordinary. Um, yeah, it was really risky, but it was out of pure desperation. Like we had nothing else. We had no money left. Like that was, you know, it was our last chance, really. So um, it was that's the only idea we had. So we we banked everything we had on it, really, which was our last eight hundred pounds and all the hope and everything that came with it. So yeah, it was really risky. But we were an online business and we'd set up our business as a kind of automated business. So even if you know um, we'd suddenly been we inundated with orders that we couldn't really um, cope with, I think we had we had the mechanisms there to you know, in, in place really. So we would have, we would have found a way to deal with it. Um, but luckily, I mean, we did, we had, uh, quite a few orders in the first month, but I was, I was able to deal with those quite easily. Um, okay. and then they kind of trickled in like month by month after that. And, and, um, so capitalizing on that growth, say four years ago to, to where you are today and you say you've got a, a team of 20 now, um, how have you managed to, to scale, scale that up? Who, who was the first hire out of interest? Was it, was it like a salesperson, for example? Yeah, no, um, it was actually, we had a couple of interns. So straight off the back of that, we brought in an intern um, to help us with the administration side of like all these bookings that came in. Um, and actually at that point, because we had run out of money, um, I applied for a Virgin loan. And I think we were one of the first companies to get the full 25,000. Right. Um, and I think that was because we already, you know, because we had bookings at that point. So we got 25,000 and that kept us going a bit longer. Mm. So we were able to pay our intern and able to you know spend it on like facebook ads um and just capitalize on all the kind of hype that was surrounding our business at the time we like hired a freelance pr person to kind of um just accelerate what was happening and um yeah so she was our first hire and she was fantastic and she pretty much did everything so she did everything from the admin speaking to customers got involved in a little bit of like doing creating facebook ads like she just worked (laughs) alongside me in our back bedroom um, and she was our first hire unfortunately she was really ambitious and we didn't have like a mark she wanted to go into marketing we didn't have a marketing position for her directly after her internship so we lost her unfortunately but our second hire was um yes a, a, a sales a salesperson, dedicated salesperson. Okay. And we moved into, at that point, we moved into a co-working space um, and hired a customer, a salesperson and then a customer service person. Okay, okay. Um, and as you've grown, have you noticed that the space you're in has become more crowded as well? Because, you know, any business gets lookalike businesses. And I'm assuming given the coverage that you had, other people might have looked at it and gone, hmm, that's an interesting space to be in. Um, yeah. So in England, uh, so travel is a semi-regulated industry and it's quite hard to copy the exact products that we're producing. Um, so that's, you know, regulation is like a horrible thing until you're on the other side of it. And now yeah. it's like, it's, it's quite a good thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and it was really hard. I mean, I won't go into the boring details, but um, you have to financially, 100% financially protect your customers. So we, all the money customers were paying us had to go into a trust account and we weren't able to realize the profit element of those payments until the customer had come back from holiday. Um, um, right. At that time, we weren't making any profit anyway, so we had no yeah. cash flow. So the, um, like ATOL and all that kind of... Exactly, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and um, but ATOL and CAA and um, don't exist in America, so we are yeah. getting some copycats in America. They're not talking to our exact target market, mm-hmm. um, but they are. They are. Yeah, they're definitely moving in on our space and um, copying our model. And mm. you know, it's it's a bit annoying. I would, yeah, definitely. But um, it's also a compliment, and it keeps you on your toes, like mm. it really does. Um, and I think that's I think that's important in business. Like when things are going really well and you're growing fast, like there could be a tendency to take your foot off the brake um, yeah. or put your foot on the brake. Um, and you know, I suppose competition just ensures that you're never taking things for granted, and you're always trying to innovate and stay ahead. Mm. And, and tell us a little bit about um, where the business today is and how you've managed to, to differentiate yourself then. Tell us about the, the types of holidays, the types of destinations that, um, that you're able to take people to. Yeah, so um, so we specialise, so we really focus on the 30s and 40s market and it's all about um, connecting like-minded people at the same life stage and that's really, really important to us. So we see ourselves as more of a, tra- as, more as a kind of uh, a lifestyle brand rather than a travel brand and mm-hmm. we are going to expand the brand into more of a lifestyle brand. And what really drives us and what really gets us going is connecting people and helping people then form like a genuine and meaningful relationship and I think, you know, in this day and age where our lives are just playing out behind screens more and more, like everyone feels isolated at some point. People are desperate to meet people at the same life stage. If you're a new mom and none of your friends are having babies, it's really important to meet other people at the same life stage. Yeah. Now I've set up a business, I'm desperate to meet other women um, entrepreneurs in the tech space. And mm-hmm. and even when you do, like I met someone great actually the other day, she's a female entrepreneur, really dynamic, and we really hit it off. We went out for margaritas um, and we were like, oh, definitely let's meet up again but we're both so busy like when do you get time to develop that friendship you know and mm. I think as British people you kind of need alcohol don't you to create memories and form that <laughs> that relationship yeah. um, and I think we do that we kind of do that we supercharge that um, through travel and adventure so when you go on holiday with people and you're like abseiling down Table Mountain in South Africa or um, you know paddle boarding with penguins or whatever you're doing um, you're creating those memories and you create those friendships and um, those connections and I think it's I think that's really important if you're if you are in your 30s and 40s and all your friends are kind of getting married and settling down and you've decided not to do that you know it can be quite an isolating time um, mm. and so that's what really drives us is that connecting people and uh, we do that through travel right now but we might do that through other mechanisms kind of later on and we completely obsess over the group dynamics um, and I think it's working working really well so that's how we differentiate ourselves from every other kind of um, travel company out there and then in terms of our product like where everything we do is tailored is curated for people in their 30s and 40s you know from end to end every hotel we use every experience so they're super dynamic they're not the cheapest um but they're really good value for money like we'll use boutique hotels we'll do you know things that you couldn't afford to do in your 20s so we will you know we'll we will take the you know we'll do it in style i suppose um so i'll give you an example so we have this vesper tour you will teach you how to 
ride a Vespa in rural Spain. And then you basically just do this expedition um, from village to village and eat amazing tapas along the way and drive through the mountains and through sunflower fields and like go to like these tiny little medieval villages and drink like and do wine tasting. And mm. it's, it's, it's really cool. When we go, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> That's one of our best ones. Um, or you can like hunt the northern lights in Finland by snowmobile, or you know, you can do all sorts. We do, we've got itineraries to Asia. We're kind of developing a new itinerary every week at the moment. We've got a new one we just launched to Mexico, where you um, wild swim in the cenotes and these like wild, these water, beautiful crystal clear blue waters in the caves all around, um, all around kind of Cancun um, area. So we go wild swimming in Mexico. Yeah, lots. Lots of, lots of adventure sounds magical sounds absolutely magical yeah um so we're just we're developing our product portfolio really quickly at the moment which is a massive challenge um la- yeah last year so we grew about 300 percent um and we completely underestimated our growth because everybody kept telling us that we wouldn't be able to achieve it. And we ended up doing about 100% more business than we forecasted. And we ran out of everything <laughs> by May last year, which was no. super painful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Um, I mean, people think it's a good problem to have. but Yeah, you- but phew. What, how, how did you how did you overcome that then? Literally hit the phones and try and get more capacity, or yeah, yeah, we did, um, and we managed to put more capacity on. But I think we probably lost about thirty percent of business each month, wow. uh, if not more. Um, so that was really yeah, that was painful. really scary because we could be much further ahead right now if that hadn't happened. So yeah. now we're getting really really savvy with how we manage our capacity and how we forecast um, our growth. Mm. So. Um, yeah. So even though I'm trying to position it as a nice problem to have, it was it was it was really really stressful last year. And was that? Do you think the the biggest challenge you've had, other than when you launched the business and and the phone never rang, was that the hardest time there's been? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, that was really yeah that was really hard. I think one of the hardest things right now is trying to scale the business, you know, trying to get the business and we're really scrappy. We're still in that really scrappy kind of mm. mindset of just trying stuff and putting it out there and trying to actually systematize the business so that yeah. it can scale is quite hard. Like you've got to change your culture somewhat. Um, and then everyone's kind of been really used to working in this really dynamic way. And then suddenly saying, Oh, we've got to put a process in place. Um, mm. that's quite hard and scaling the team, like recruitments are biggest challenge right now it's it's so hard um you know just interview like spending hours and hours oh, interviewing people absolutely i think it's the hardest thing to get the right people who've got the right mindset to fit in with a startup and scale type business without a shadow of a doubt um getting people to understand that mentality as well and who are still you know a degree of passion about it um and and like you say you you could spend your every hour in the day just interviewing people who'd be the wrong people it's so it's so it's such a relief to hear um that other people find this challenging (laughs) just think it's you but no no I think we've we've tried to get really savvy with our recruitment now, and there are three attributes that we hire on now: drive, attitude, and coachability. Like over skill set mm. or anything, um, nice. and if if somebody ticks all three boxes, um, then we're like, okay, you can teach you can teach them anything, yeah. and you'll survive in our environment. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's really difficult. And I have to admit, like, I don't really enjoy it. Like I love, I love it when you find the right person and they join your business. Obviously that's really exciting, but just going through hours and hours of interviews can be like 
thoroughly demoralizing um, yeah. but we've just hired a head of talent who started yesterday so i'm hoping she's going to like solve all my problems <laughs> <laughs> yeah yesterday yeah absolutely yeah 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 but then you, you know you speak to to founders who have, have grown and, and then you know monetized sold sold the business a decade later and um you know the, the other challenges that come are being able to retain those staff because if you've ended up taking on people who are really passionate and ambitious um and we found that in a startup environment x amount of people then decide to start their own business and leave you and go and do that and you you can't knock that in a million years of course but it, it has its own inherent challenges yeah yeah absolutely like it's um yeah it's always it's always yeah, it's always really difficult when that happens. And there's just kind of, you know, there are cycles, aren't there? And um, mm. some people um, are with you for a really long time and others like need to move on. And I think the hardest thing for us is that we, we're on this really steep growth curve. Um, and I think... I would I'd feel really upset if I just wasn't able to invest in our staff and they left because they just felt like they couldn't keep up with the pace, you know. So that's one of our biggest challenges right now, just putting budget aside and time aside to give people like the coaching and training yeah. so that they can so they can keep up with the growth of the company. Yeah, that that that's another massive challenge, I think, is it because you know that if you if you spend that time coaching them up and training them that will be rewarded a million percent further down the line. But your challenge is you're trying to do everything <laughs> to grow the business and you don't have that time, but you have to make that time. It's just a, a must have, isn't it really? Must do. Yeah, it's like it's my biggest priority. I think yeah. I've probably spent about forty percent of my time like either on recruitment or with our team. And every time that I've kind of, you know, just put that on the back burner I've always regretted it every Snap. time like I've neglected like spending time with our team it's just always come back to bite me yeah um 100% yeah. and do you do you now have like I'm assuming like a process in place where you, you put together as you've learned each role going right to the next person this is the manual for the role which is obviously constantly evolving but this is what's been done before and this is the the roadmap essentially for this position yeah, we're trying to get way more savvy and giving people a clear vision of how their role can, um, what their role is today and how it can evolve with mm. the company and what their path could be. Like we're trying to get a lot more savvy um, around that. I mean, we're just at the beginning stages really um, of learning how those roles can evolve in our company. Like we're trying to get to 30 people by November, uh, which is which is a bit of a challenge. So while trying yeah. to recruit new roles and also trying to spec out what those roles would look like, because they're all new. Mm. <laughs> all new roles so right. i think that's really hard like trying to figure out because now before we were like you know recruiting each individual person um and now you've got to think about the team and what the skill gap is in that team and who would fit into that team mm. um and trying to flesh that out is is definitely a challenge but trying to get more savvy well, it sounds an incredibly exciting place to be and um are you able to just to kind of finish things up as we've hit on the perfect kind of time scale for, for each episode here is um, when you talk about building a lifestyle brand, have you thought about what that would physically look like with regards to services or products or is that still under wraps and stuff that you're working on over the next 12, 18 months? Yeah, slightly under wraps, but we're definitely investing heavily in our technology this year. Um, and I guess we'll get more savvy with connecting people through technology. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, and then uh, the rest, the, the other plans are slightly under wraps, I'm afraid. But um, yeah, we've got, we're looking at, we're 
implementing a lot of uh, technology in the next kind of six months and then we're looking to expand the brand further i mean at the moment we've got 50 percent of our customers are now from outside the uk um which mm. is which is amazing so we've got yeah. a brand with global appeal so we'll definitely be focusing on those markets especially as we don't know what's going to be happening with brexit so that's mm. quite a savvy strategy for us to focus on like the american market and we're kind of making traction in canada in australia as well um but yeah we're definitely going to be um looking at expanding the brand um, in those in those regions. Great. And then, and last question for you, Rada, is um, what would you like people to take away from your story? Because it's it's one hell of an interesting one. It sounds like it's been one one hell of a ride in a relatively short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has. Um, do you know what I would say? The one takeaway would be um, to feel really confident in your own vision and I know a lot of people uh, start off you know they get they they're so confident in um, their product and what they're they're developing and then kind of get bashed down by the entrepreneurial journey I think my journey has been yeah. slightly opposite um, I was probably a bit too conservative I didn't raise money quick enough like I think we could have been much further ahead now if I'd been a bit more confident in what we we're achieving like I always felt like oh we need more traction before we can raise money and um, and then then probably undervalued our business when I was raising money. Um, and I, I would just say, just be really, really confident in, in what you, your own ability and, um, and your, and your business and your passion from the start, because I feel like it's affected some of my, it's affected some of the decisions I've made. Um, and it's, it's definitely something that I, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning to develop now as the business grows. So a great story. Um, really enjoyed speaking to Rudder. And uh, previous to that, uh, really exciting news to share with you all. Um, our first Startup and Scale Summit uh, this October the 13th in Bournemouth. Um, as always, we've got our regular monthly meetups uh, for like-minded, uh, adventurous and inspired entrepreneurs. This month, uh, June the 28th, we're in Bournemouth. And in July, we are in London for our launch on the 12th of July at WeWork uh, Tower Bridge, a pretty epic venue overlooking the Tower of London. And then back to Bournemouth uh, for a more of a hands-on workshop on branding, um, July the 4th. And then still in Bournemouth at our HQ, uh, July the 25th um, for... Um, our last meetup of the summer, in fact, um, in Bournemouth. Um, and then we'll be taking August off and then starting again in September, all building up to our one-day Startup and Scale Summit um, with Ted Baker founder Ray Kelvin, along with four to five other um, high-level entrepreneurs, very much the format of this show, but live in person where you'll be able to ask uh, your own questions um, to the entrepreneurs, participate in workshops and network with um, other entrepreneurs from all over the UK and possibly beyond, especially given we've got um, listeners from over 62 countries um, on the show, which is amazing. Um, so a couple of things to pick up on um, from my interview with Rada. First one being marketing, i.e. you don't need to have a multi-million pound budget to be able to uh, get some traction, get some momentum building for your business. Uh, obviously, scary time launching any business, a lot of nerves, a um, lot of anxiety. As Rada said, I was literally 
flatlined as soon as she launched it, which is even scarier. And last roll of the dice was um, pretty. Uh, I mean, I was you'll hear obviously heard in the interview, but uh, you know, pretty ballsy one to go with uh, expecting something to go viral. Um, obviously, her co-founder and, and now husband Lee with the experience of being a photojournalist and, and experienced that kind of thing before. They're pretty confident doing it, but um, there's obviously other strategies out there that you can think about. But, um, you know, it doesn't stop you thinking about, uh, you know, laterally, what can you do um, that would get you, you know, that, uh, that kind of traction with your initial marketing efforts. So, um, you know, do think outside of the box with regards to your marketing. Hiring um, comes up time and again on the show, and I love talking about it because I, I, I totally get it. I've been there, still there. Um, it really is the hardest thing in the world, I find, um, you know, and I've got some amazing people working for me, but the, the hardest thing in the world to find those who um, really get what you're doing. Um, you do really need someone who's got the mentality of um, working for a startup, you know, being enthusiastic, um, knowing it's not going to be the smooth ride that it could be working for a, a blue chip company, but equally it does throw you in at the deep end and you learn all sorts of skills that you, you wouldn't working for a blue chip and, and just being, you know, slotted into that one role. You, your experience crosses all sorts of uh, different uh, topics and different sectors. So getting that right is, is the most difficult thing in the world. So my tip is the more time you spend on this, the, funnily enough, the, the better at it you get. And the more time you then spend with your hires, um, the more long-term value it's going to give you if you if you simply don't invest that time initially without you know without doubt it comes back to bite you in the ass so uh, i know what it's like you don't have any time you've got to priorities uh, prioritize and, and make the time we all have the, the same time at the end of the day don't we it's it's what you prioritize um that will grow and the other one being perseverance and, and i say this um to my two girls uh, growing up you know just attended one of them's athletics um, schools, athletics events. You got selected uh, to represent the school there. And, you know, some of the kids there, phenomenal athletes just at the age of, you know, 11, 12. Um, but as I try to drum into my, my girls, you know, those aren't necessarily the ones who are going to be there in eight, nine, 10 years' time um, winning the gold medals. It's the ones who've got the perseverance, who are dogged, who will put in the work, will practice, practice, practice. You know, really isn't the most talented people who, who make it to the very top always. Yes, of course it is sometimes um, without a doubt, but more often than not, you'll find it's those who are the hardest working, the ones with the most perver perseverance that will get there. It's definitely been my experience. Um, I will not take no for an answer if I'm trying to get someone to be interviewed for this show um, or speak at one of our live events. Um, Whatever it might be in life, I just will not take no for an answer. It might take me a year, might take me longer to, to get that person, but um, I will keep going till I, till I make it happen. So keep going. Don't expect overnight success um, and all the success in the world to you in trying that. So um, thank you so much for listening. Um, really good episode. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, be back again this time next week and i really hope that i do see some of you next week in bournemouth for our start screw it just do it live event with uh, candy kittens founders jamie lang and ed williams 
Um, and if you're not able to, to get to Bournemouth um, next week, then we're not charging a lot of money for our first ever Startup and Scale Summit in October. We'd love to see you there. Um, you can take advantage of the, um, the offer that we've put out um, by just going to our Eventbrite page, checking it out, entering into the promo code. Uh, screw it, just do it and you'll get 20% off and make it even more worthwhile for you. Thanks again. Speak next week. Bye for now. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter. Just do it.